Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. So tonight we're wrapping this up. Our friend goes away. Um, no more slaying dragons after tonight. Um, just to kind of catch you up, um, some of you I haven't got to see for a while, so this is kind of new to you, but we've been talking over the past couple weeks about slaying dragons. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to do with a physical um, decapitation, um, although that would be fun. Um, but what it really has more to do with is spiritual warfare, slaying the dragons, the spiritual dragons that are in our lives. So we started by talking about slaying anxiety, because anxiety is kind of like such a big deal for a lot of you. We all struggle with it to a degree. Um, and we talked about slaying the enemy. I've been drilling this in you, but how many of you can you tell me the three-parted enemy, the three-headed um, dragon we have as our enemy? What are the three heads on the dragon? Oh, you guys are ballers. The world, um, the flesh, and Satan, the devil. They're all out to destroy you, and some days you wake up and you realize they're really at work in your life. Like Satan is really trying to destroy you, and it's like very evident. Um, Some days not, but we always have to be aware of it. We talked about slaying temptation, um, how not to give in to Satan, how not to give in to our flesh. Then last week, um, we talked about how to wage spiritual warfare through prayer. Um, And we had a time... Um, where you guys got to come forward and give whatever it was that um, was that big thing that you thought you couldn't beat, um, that big war that's going on in your heart, to give it to God. Um, I had you write it down on a post, not a post, an index card, and and hand it in. And over the course of the week, I've been praying for those cards. Um, I've been um, getting the leaders in on praying for the cards and, you know, Sometimes I always know you guys struggle, but then sometimes, like, when I get to see it on paper, you know, I really am reminded, like, you guys deal with some tough stuff. You have hard things going on in your life. So I want to just let you know, I've been thinking about you, I've been praying, um, praying a lot for you. Um, so we're diving into our last slaying dragons, and this one's going to be slaying adversity. And I was looking up, like, stories about adversity and stuff, and I came, on, came, came up to this guy, Thomas Edison, probably learned about him in history class. I've got a picture of him. Um, as you can tell, he was quite the stud. Um, but he, uh, he got all the girls. Um, but, but this uh, picture of Thomas Edison is him with his famous, you know, light bulb invention. You know, I used to think Thomas Edison invented this little light bulb. It was actually this big, like, light sphere. You know, that was the first light bulb. This is the first light bulb here. Um, but what we don't always hear is that when Thomas Edison was trying to create this light bulb, trying to create electricity into light, he wasn't like, He wasn't 11 where 11 can just, like, make electricity and, you know. Um, But Thomas Edison, he tried 60-plus different variations of this light bulb before he could get a light bulb to work. So he tried and he failed 60 times, but the only thing we remember is time number 61 when he succeeded. Um, You ever feel like you try and you fail and you try and you fail and you try and you fail and you never have the light bulb moment? You just are a big failure. Um, and a lot of times it's because, like, there's adversity. I told you last week that what you need to do is if you have something going on in your life that you just can't beat, um, is that you need to give it to God in prayer and pray for it. I encourage you to make a list and to list five areas of your life that you desperately needed God to work in. And, and I hope you did that. Um, but here's kind of the rub. Here's where things get tricky. You, you, you did what maybe a lot of people did last week. You came you knelt down and you prayed over that thing. Um, you put it on a card. Man, that hurt. You put, it in, you put it on a card. 
you put it in the basket here, I've been praying over it, you've been praying over it, but nothing has seemed to change in your situation. Anybody, you don't raise your hand, but anybody feel like that? You feel like, okay, I gave my thing to God, been praying with it, prayer's supposed to work, here I am, the dragon is still with me. You know, my parents are still mad at me. You know, yeah, I'm still at odds with that person, or, you know, my, you know, the person in my family that was sick is still sick. You know, I can't, God, why is God not working in this situation? Tonight what we're going to talk about is what happens when we pray for something and we don't see God, according to us, come through on that prayer. And what, what kind of the main point or the main line is that we're going to learn tonight is God doesn't always deliver us out of a circumstance. Sometimes God delivers us through a circumstance. Um, another way to say it is yeah, that you can have, this is the next slide, That, by the way, Broker, I can have joy even if I'm walking with the dragon. Even if God does not remove this dragon from my life, I can still have joy. Um, I can still have joy in my life. So if you have your Bible, turn to J- James chapter 1, and uh, we're going to have the verses on the screen. So if you didn't bring your Bible, you're in luck. We're going to have the verses right here. There's just 12 verses I want to look at. It's verses 2 through 12. Um, Pray that my Bible stays open. This is a new Bible, so I've been going like this all day to try to keep my Bible from closing on itself. So if it closes on me and I have an awkward pause, just bear with me. Um, So let's just kind of read this together. We're going to talk about it. Here we go. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. It'll be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed the same way the rich will fade even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, the person will receive a crown of life the Lord has promised to those who love him. So th- these verses, they, they kind of begin and end with something that we don't usually, maybe a kind of a position or like an attitude that we, it's hard for us to have. First, it says, consider it joy when you face trials or you face difficulties. And then verse 12 says, blessed is the one who perseveres under a trial. So it's saying two things about you. If you've got a problem, how many of y'all here have a problem? Look to the person next to you and say, I've got a problem. Okay. Look to the, and then respond to that person and say, you got big problems, okay, because you do. Some of you are the problem. No, I'm joking. But here's the thing. This is what the Bible is saying about your problems. It says, first, you should consider it joy. What? And secondly, it says that you are blessed because you're in them. How in the world can that be? I want to look at some reasons why we can, you know, why God actually says that, because it's so, it's so different than the way we usually think about it. So here, there's, there's some reasons. Before we get into those reasons, uh, for those of you nerds, I just want to point one thing out, okay? If you're a nerd, it's, it's okay to acknowledge your nerddom, okay? 
Um, nerds are cool now. When I was in school, nerds were not cool. Now nerds are cool. Okay? What you're going to see here, depending on what Bible version you have, is in these verses, verses 2 through 12, it talks about trials. And then in verse 13, it talks about temptations. Um, depending on what Bible translation you have, some of your translations may translate the word temptation all the way through. So count it all joy when you face temptations of many kind. Some will say trials all the way through. There is a difference between verses 2 through 12. It's talking about trials. It's talking about adversity. It's talking about things that are difficult to us and things that test us. In verse 13, it talks about temptation and things that, you know, internal pressures, like pressure to do wrong, um, pressure to sin. Um, and there's a difference here. God is not going to deliver you through a sin. What's God's will for you when it comes to sin? It's for you to confess it, it's for you to repent, and it's for you to move on and for you to be cleansed. What I'm talking about here are not internal temptations, but it's external pressures that are on you. Anybody feel like you got external pressures? Like you feel like, you, you, you ever seen the picture of the naked dude, Olympus, and he's holding the world up? You know, it's like that classic like sculpture and he's like got the weight of the world like on his shoulders. Does that feel like you? Like you got so many external pressures that are pushing on you and then you read in the Bible and you're like, the Bible says I'm supposed to think, be joyful about it and that I'm blessed because I'm holding or I'm under all this pressure. Why in the world? Well, I think there are some reasons. I want to just kind of, yeah, I'm trying to argue why you should be joyful and why you should understand you're blessed even though your life you know, the way you see it is terrible, okay? So I've got a hard position to argue, so I'm going to get to it, okay? Here's the first thing. I try to use word, like wording you could remember, okay? Here's the first thing. Stress makes me stronger. I took a picture of my arm. Not really. So. <laughs> took a picture of Musgrave's arm. No. Um, that's a pretty strong arm, isn't it? You go to the gym. You don't just go to the gym one time and get veins like that. You got to go, you got to go, you got to go. Probably got to inject a little something, too, to get veins like that, just to be honest, okay? But, but if you look at verse 2, it says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kind. Why in the world should I consider my trials, my adversity, joy? Here's why. It says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And then it says, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Here's what happens. When we have a test, we have a trial, we have adversity in our life, it puts stress on us. How many of y'all enjoy being stressed? Nobody like, except Evan. Um, Evan likes to be stressed, but everybody else does not like to be stressed, right? Most of us don't like stress. When we think of stress, we think of homework deadlines. And when we think of stress, you know, we think of family fighting and stuff. You know, when, when you think of stress, what, what's the first thing that popped into your mind? Think about that. Actually, when I, I want you all to yell it at the same time, okay? What was the first thing that popped in your mind when, you say, when, when I said stress? Yell it in, when I count to three. One, two, three, yell it. I think I heard a lot of school stuff. Um, so, <laughs> a lot of school stuff, right? So, this is what the Bible says. It says when we're stressed, these tests, here's what happens to us. It produces perseverance in us. Have you ever finished if you run track or, you know, you've been on a sports team and you do a conditioning practice and, you know, they make you run. My, my least favorite things ever were the suicides. You remember the suicides you'd have to run for, you know, you'd have to come here, touch the line, run back. Then you'd have to come here and touch the line and run back, you know. And then 
But here's the incredible thing. The whole time you're like, I should just stop. I should just stop. I should, my heart's pounding. I can't, I'm gasping for breath. But you know, the re, usually the reason I didn't stop is because I wouldn't want my friends to laugh at me, and I don't want my friends to beat me, right? But this cool thing happens when you stop, and you're like this. You're like, <sighs> you start feeling pretty good, don't you? Because you went through the stressor, and you got some perseverance, didn't you? And what happens when you do that over and over and over again? The sprints start getting a little easier, so the coach makes you run a little longer and run a little longer and run a little longer so that by the end of the soccer season, you're slide tackling people and breaking their legs, and they can't keep up with you, right? So we understand it from a sports perspective, right, that if you want to get big, if you want to get big pectorials, <laughs> some, don't take a picture of me going like this, okay? If you want to get big pectorials at the gym, you've got to hit the bench and you've got to work it so hard until your chest hurts so bad and you've got to go home, you've got to drink some protein and you're going to wake up in the morning and your, your muscles are going to hurt so bad but then they start rebuilding and they start rebuilding and they start rebuilding. Why in the world would God allow your, you to be tested, you to be stressed in your life? The first thing to remember is that just because you're stressed does not mean that God, it's from God. Some of you are stressed because there are people in your family that are not living the way they should, and they are not living in accordance to God's will. You know, you, you, and and that, that, is, that is not from God. That is, that is somebody else's stupidity. You know, you're stressed because of, a, of an ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend thing. That's, you know, God didn't do that. Your stupid ex-boyfriend did that, right? So, so the stressors are not God-induced, but here's the thing. God uses the stressors. God uses the adversity to make you stronger. How does he make you stronger? Well, first you get stressed. And you get pushed to the, to the, the breaking point. Maybe you, you're at the stress point right now. You're pushed, you feel like you're pushed to the breaking point. But here's what God offers at the end of the stress. He says, come to me, all ye who are weary, Jesus said this, and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke. He says, take my burden on you. Learn from me, my burden, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, I'll give you rest. God offers rest, and here's this incredible thing that happens when you start resting after physical exertion. Your body starts healing, and God offers spiritual healing. And here's what happens when you're stressed, and then you rest, and then you're healed. You don't just get back to normal, you get better than you were, and you get better than normal. So one of the first reasons that we can think, well, I can be joyful because I'm in this difficult situation is because I know that when I get through it, and you will get through it, I promise you guys, you will, whatever it is, you're going to get through it. And when you come out on on this side, you're going to be stronger if you let God work in your life. So stress makes me stronger. Next one is God is a giver. As we keep reading, we see something here. We see, it, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, the Matt McClay uh, abridged version says, if you're freaking out about this and you don't know how to process what's going on in your life, it says this. It says, ask God and he will give you generously to all without finding fault and it'll be given to you. I think we have this idea that God is someone who takes. Yeah, that God just wants your money and he takes your money. Yeah. And God's all about rules, so he wants to steal your fun, Alex. And he steals your fun. 
you know, and, and, and God is a taker, and God is a taker, and God's all about no, 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 I'll take that. I'll t-. God is a giver. When you read and you read, the more you read this book, the more you're going to realize God is a giver. He gives eternal life, and he gives grace, and he gives mercy. And there's this other thing that God gives, and it's wisdom. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask God, and he will give generously to all. Some of your Bible versions, it says God will give liberally to all. So write that down. God is a liberal. Just write it down. Uh, It says God will give you generously. Have you ever been in like the lunch line? And you have that lunch lady who's a stickler. If you ever go to the Chinese restaurant at the mall, it'll be like this. They will not give you one little iota of General Tso's chicken more than you paid for. Like if you pay for like one entree, that little lady, she like, you're not going to... You're going to just get exactly what you pay for. Like, if, if, there, if she, I've seen her, like, she'll scoop the chicken on, and then she'll realize, oh, I gave him too much scoop. So she'll, like, kind of put a couple pieces of chicken back in. You know what I mean? Like, like, that's how stingy she is. God does not work at the Chinese restaurant at the mall. It says God gives liberally, that God gives generously. So you, when you ask God, God, I can't understand what's going on. Like, how in the world can this be a good thing that I'm going through this? You ask God to help you understand, and he's not just going to give you like a little sliver, like, like, like looking through a parade, through a fence. Like He's going to give you generously wisdom. God is a giver. God is a giver. He'll show you how to respond. The next thing we learn, this is a tongue twister, fence riders fall fast. Look at the person next to you and say, fence riders fall fast, three times, fast. I created a tongue twister, and I didn't even know it. I'm so proud of myself. Fence riders fall fast. Look at this picture of this, this person that is like on, on their bare feet on this fence. Can you think of a variety of ways in which this scenario could go wrong and this could end up on like one of those like YouTube videos, fail compilations or something? Like, like something's going to get broken or smashed or cut. Like you know it's going to happen, right? And we, we see how, how silly and how ridiculous that is. But how many of us, spiritually speaking, we're riding the fence, and we don't know whether we want to be a, whether we want to act like everybody else is acting or act the way Christ is going to ask, if we want to believe like everybody else is going to believe, or whether, whether we're going to believe the way the Bible believes. But this thing happens when adversity hits us. We're not ready for it, and it's like a big gust of air, or it's like a shove. And when you get a gust of air, when you get a shove against you standing on top of a fence, guess what happens? You're going to fall one way or the other, aren't you? Adversity, stress, is what proves who we are. Um, in verse 6, it says, if you, when you ask, when you pray to God, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is, is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Can I tell you, our American younger generation I mean, I don't really can't lump myself in with your generation, but even people that are my age, um, going to turn 32 on Sunday, um, even people who are my age, we're wishy-washy. We're Christian when it's convenient, but then when it's not convenient, we're not Christian. And, and, and we pick and choose. We're like, okay, God says this, and I agree with that, so I'll believe that, but God says this, and I don't agree with that, so I'm not going to believe that. What does it say? It says that person is unstable in all they do. So adversity I guess to put it really like bluntly, adversity reveals who the fakes are. Adversity reveals who the fakes are. Adversity reveals who the people are that, real, that they, they pretend like they're Christians, they say they're Christians, but they really don't have any faith because when you're tested, it's going to test your faith. So, and and, and what, what I've learned, um, 
me sometimes not being strong in my faith is when I'm trying to ride the fence and something happens in my life that blindsides me and scares me, I'm going to find out real quick whether I've been faking it or not. So fence riders fall fast. Next thing we learn is adversity has a leveling effect. You ever feel like everybody's better than you at everything? I feel like that every day. Like, you ever feel like you're, maybe you're not the worst, but you're like average. And then you have that friend that like she turned 16 and her dad bought her a BMW. And you're like, okay, that's ridiculous. You know, you've got a guy that's never played basketball before. You've been playing for four years and he just kind of walks onto the team and he's starting and you're riding the bench. You know, you're keeping the bench warm like I did. You know, how in the, you ever feel like it's, it's just not fair that some people just have it so much easier. Uh, some people have all the money or some people have all the friends or some people were blessed like they can just like get out of the bed and go like this. Their hair falls in the right place. Their teeth are pearly white. They've got this like they smile and it like goes ding. And, and like they got these beautiful eyes and here you are. You get out of bed and you look like you got run over by a dump truck right? And you try to paint the barn all you can, put all the makeup on, you know, put on clothes that are tight here and big here and tight there and, you know, and you're trying to look good. And they just roll out of bed, put on a pair of sweats, and they look like a million bucks. You ever feel like you're just not good enough? This interesting thing happens with adversity that has what I call a leveling effect. Your response to adversity is the great equalizer. There will be people that are smarter than you, There'll be people that are prettier than you. There'll be people that have more money than you. There'll be people that are more talented than you. But only you can decide how you're going to respond to adversity in your life. And you know what I've learned? I've had friends that they, were, they had everything going for them, but their faith was not solid in Christ. And when the problems hit, adversity hit, they blew up, they freaked out, and God didn't use them. I had a friend in high school, they got a 35 on the ACT. A thir- it's, it's ridiculous. A 35. Like, do you understand how ridiculous that is? Like, as you get older in high school, you're, you, and you hate him, right? You, you don't even know who he is, but you already hate him because he got a 35 on the ACT. He got, like, the Jaeger scholarship, full ride to, I mean, he was getting paid thousands of dollars to go to college. But things happened in his life. He got stressed out. He was working at a hospital. He started stealing pills from the hospital. And now he's addicted to pills. 35 on the ACT. But adversity has a leveling effect. We shouldn't, don't look at this and say, ha, you know, all, those, you know, all those posers that think they're, you know, think they're better than everybody else and think their poop don't stink, I'm going to get a leg up on them as soon as something bad happens. So I'm ready for something bad to happen to them. No, what I'm saying is, first off, you better watch out. But secondly, we trust God that when God has adversity in our lives, he's waiting for us to respond in a way through faith that will have a leveling effect and will put us where he wants us to be. The final thing is stressed equals blessed. This may be one of the hard, for me, I'll be honest, this may be one of the hardest verses in the Bible to really believe. It's easy to read. It's easy to write down. It's easy to highlight. It's really hard to believe. And here's why. <laughs> it says, blessed is the one who is blessed. Or, excuse me. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. And I, I was looking it up. Like sometimes I'll, I'll give you a, like kind of a, a hint. Um, as as uh, uh, 
a pastor and I'm trying to learn how to be a pastor and all that good stuff and how to act and behave and, you know, it's really hard. But yeah, I, I've learned how to look stuff up in the Greek and sometimes I look stuff up in the Greek to think, oh, maybe I'll find a way out of this or maybe I'll, I'll find a way to make this verse a little easier to live out. No. When you look up this word blessed, it's called, kind of all a phrase. Blessed is the one who perseveres. It was written in the president indicative, which probably does not matter to you, but I'm going to make it matter to you. What that means is when it says blessed is the one who perseveres. It doesn't say blessed will be the one who perseveres. It says blessed is the one who perseveres, which means if you're in a trial right now, if you have adversity in your, in your life right now, you're blessed now. We think, oh, once I get through this, I'll have a good life and I'll be blessed. No, the Bible says you are blessed right now. If you are suffering, you are blessed right now. How in the world, how in the world can we believe this? Well, it gives us a because. It says because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life the Lord has promised to those who love him. So there is a future reason why we're blessed. Did you like that move? There's a future reason why we're blessed. Um, we are going to see God in heaven. We're going to receive that crown of eternal life. We will be you know, with him forever. You know, we're going to have this beautiful eternal life with him in heaven. But it also says having stood the test. This word for test is the word dokimos, which you'll see it all through the New Testament in the Bible. And what this verse means, I have a picture of it here. It was a word that was used to describe a certain person in the Middle East in the first century. And this person was the authority on money. And back then, they had a lot of problem with counterfeit money. People would be like paying in fake gold. So they would have a guy that was called a dokimo. And what he would do, they would give their money to him, and he would test it and make sure it was legit before they used it to be paid for. And, you know, it's the old picture, you know, the guy biting the gold, making sure it, like, tastes right or something. Like, this guy knew whether something was true or whether it was fake. And this is what this word means. It says, having stood the test. So if you're real and you're legit, here's what this means. It means that even if life is difficult... God is using this to grow your faith. Even if life is difficult, you're still a son or a daughter of God. Even though life is difficult, the Bible says that God has never been closer to you before in your life because it says that God is near to the brokenhearted. So there are blessings that come with being under pressure, blessings that come with adversity. I can think of times in my life where life was so stressful and it was so difficult. We made like 50,000 trips to the emergency room and to the delivery room before we actually had Addison. And it was stressful and it was difficult. But now I look at those times and I see how God had grown my faith and I see, I'd seen how I was so close to God at that point. And I can see now how I was blessed. So God uses these stressors. God uses this adversity to bless us. So that's great. So how can we live these out? I've got three L or four L words for you. Just write them down real quick before we go to tag. Uh, we're just going to have to kind of buzz through these. Um, there are four L words. And the first is look. Um, look. Look for joy in adversity. In verse 2, it says, consider it pure joy, uh, brothers and sisters, when you face trials. Um, consider means you've got to turn your mind over to looking for the joy in whatever it is you're going through. Your family's a mess find the joy. You've got to make a mental effort to do this. And here's where you'll find the joy. It's really easy, actually. I'll show you where you can find the joy. You're not going to find the joy in people. You're not going to find the joy in stuff. Happiness depends on people. 
You know, you, you, you meet that guy that's just perfect for you and your heart's going boom, 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 boom. That's happiness and that'll last about two weeks. Then you're going to find out you guys are totally terrible for each other and you're totally toxic for each other. But you know, like, like yeah, there's that boom, 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 boom. Yeah, that's happiness. That depends on a person. If, yeah, if your girlfriend's happy, you're happy. If your girlfriend's mad, you're mad, right? Um, happiness depends on people. Happiness depends on stuff. You know, you, like you get a new, a new phone or a new car, and it's really awesome for a couple weeks, and then it's not that awesome anymore. It doesn't make you as happy as it used to. Happiness is based on people and based on things. Joy is based on God. People change. Stuff breaks, but God never changes. So if you want to find joy in your suffering, in your adversity, you've got to look and find out, okay, where is Jesus in this suffering. So look for joy in adversity. Next is let adversity make you stronger. This, you know, this little let word is a Calvinist worst nightmare. Um, it says let perseverance finish its work. It doesn't say perseverance is going to finish its work. It says let. It means there's action required on your part. Um, you want to know the reason you can't see God in your pain and, you can't, and, and, and it's not getting you, bringing you any closer to God and you can't find any joy? It's because you haven't let God work in your situation. You want to stay angry. You want to stay depressed. You want to kind of wallow in what you got going on, and you're not letting God do that work in your life. Let adversity make you stronger. Um, oh, I was going to talk about Bob Ross, but I don't have time. I'll tell it in my tag group. Um, next is listen to the voice of God. Um, in in verses, um, verses 9 and 10, um, it talks about how people who are poor should thank, be thankful because in God they're rich, and people who are rich should be thankful when they're humiliated because it's really only God who makes them spiritually rich. <clears throat> you've let too many, maybe the reason that you can't find joy in these situations is because you've let too many people in on your pity party. You know what I mean? You've let that little corner of girls or, or guys in your lunch table tell you how bad your life is and feel sorry for you and just tell yeah, and, and, and you're listening to all these other voices that are telling you how bad you have it, but you haven't listened to the voice of God that says, hey, you're my child and I'll never leave you or forsake you. So you know how you, you, know how you listen to the voice of God? You don't pick up your phone and call him. Um, you don't sit like this and go, oh, um, I just, uh, I wouldn't use that microphone if I were you. Um, <laughs> yeah, you want to know how you hear from God? Right here. Um, here's the final thing. Um, lean on God for wisdom. This is where I want you to park. This is where I want you to kind of pivot from as you go to tag and as you go home tonight. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask. I love how it says it. It's just like a conversation. You should ask God. You should ask God. Maybe your question is, i got this stuff going on in my life. What do I do with it? How do I react to it? Ask God. You've got something. You, you don't even know what to do. Like, you don't know what decision to make. You don't know, you, your parents are telling you, you know, to take this approach. Your friends are telling you to take this approach. Uh, you know, you, you, everybody's trying to influence you to do, but you're like, what does God want me to do? It says, ask. It's this beautiful promise. It says, ask, and he will give you generously this wisdom you need. So ask God. So what is it that you can't shake? You've prayed about it. I hope you stay committed to praying for that thing because sometimes God wants us to walk with these dragons and, and build us up before he delivers us. So you're praying and you're praying and you're praying, but God has not removed this dragon from your life. What do I do? 
What do I do? You ask God for wisdom. Ask God to give you joy as you're walking with the dragon. Trust that he's going to make you strong. So I want us to pray together. Uh, We're going to go down to tag, and we're going to talk about this a little bit before we go home. Uh, So just bow your heads, close your eyes. Uh, We're going to get ready to to pray here, but um, just kind of please just kind of keep your head bowed, eyes closed, and don't look around. But is there anyone that would just like ask, like, I won't pray for you out loud. I'll pray for you tonight when I get home. But like, anyway, just say, Matt, will you like, will you kind of just like pray for me tonight? Will you remember to pray for me? Because I just got a big like dragon in my life. You put your hand up. Nobody else is looking. It's just me. But thank you, guys. Um, I'll be praying for you guys. Um, so what I want to do, we're going to pray together. Um, I want you to give that dragon to God. Ask God for wisdom. Ask him to show you the joy in your situation. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you are the God who gives. Um, You're the God who provides, and even our spiritual needs you provide for. Even when we're confused and things are chaotic, you're there. Uh, We thank you for that. So, God, I pray for each person who raised their hand and was like just really facing some dragons, uh, really facing some adversity tonight. Um, God, I pray that tonight they will leave with joy. Uh, They will leave with an understanding of what you're doing in their life how you're making them stronger, how they can give you glory through the pain. Um, I pray that you'll bless our conversations and our prayers in tag tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.